and welcome to the very first Bobcast podcast. I am your host, Bob Patterson, and today I will be sitting with Amanda Johnston talking about her book series, The Anthem Saga. Say hello, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you, knew, you knew. You knew. You knew that. But still, I, I did interrupt us at some point so i'm gonna uh, hi amanda welcome to the bob show <laughs> actually it's the bob bobcast podcast the bobcast hi amanda welcome to the bobcast i actually really love that name i love that name that's I a great name. a bunch of names like one, one point it was the broken cast podcast yeah but, okay you are the author of the anthem saga Yes. Tell us a little bit about like when you started writing it, that sort of thing. When I came up with this idea when I was 11, I am now 34. I would sit in the dark. I would turn the lights off in my room, mm-hmm. sit in pitch darkness. Okay, not pitch darkness. I had a nightlight because I was a chicken. <laughs> I would- I would sit in the dark of my room and I would put on my big, huge, like, cushy headphones because that's what we had then. We had, like, the big, like, we didn't have these AirPods and fancy thing, things oh, the like the ones that look like uh, once air traffic controllers wear. Yes, absolutely. There were the big, cushy ones, like, that would go around your ears. I would sit in the dark of my room with the big, cushy headphones on and I would listen to, I had a, I had a stereo that had a dual tape deck and I would put in my dad's cassette of Bad Out of Hell 2 and I would sit there and listen to it on repeat imagining, closing my eyes, imagining this story that is there was this angel that fell in love with this man named Johnny her name was Jenny and they she was in love with him and she came down to earth to be with him And she ended up getting captured by demons, and he had to figure out a way to save her. And he rode a motorcycle, and he wore all black, and he had black hair, and he had blue eyes, and he was very tall. And he was, like, I had this whole musical in my head that I would see. And I tried, there there are four different iterations of this story that I tried to write over time, like, over the course of history, I, I I think it was 2009 when I first wrote the the first real attempt at it, and I tried to write it in a musical sense. Mm-hmm. I tried to write in the sense of like the way that I saw in my head. It was this happens, this happens, this happens. It was incredibly short. It was not even novella length, I don't think. And then like. I would just lose it. I would lose, I would lose my place. Mm -hmm. I I tried to pigeonhole them into a certain place and I tried to write it in a pre-planned way and it didn't work. It, it, the, the story that I saw in my head didn't, it it never, it never was enough for me. Did did you ever plan ahead too much? Like try to squeeze in, I'm going to have this person, this person, this person, this person, when you should just be concentrating on one. No, it, it, it wasn't even that. It was just that the, the dynamics between 
the, the dynamics between Johnny and Jenny weren't right. And also, the boys were very, the boys were always there. But they were very shallow characters. Like, they were very, they were, like, they, they would, you know, like, they started out as just cardboard cutouts of who they ended up being. It, it never worked for me. And so I would end up abandoning it and trying to write something else. And that also failed. I tried to write Mad Red Rose, which was my vampire books. And they were so, there was, there were so many gaps in the story that I, I ended up, I abandoned that too. So I went years without writing. And I mean, I'd had, I'd had these people, this story, it all came from the song, good girls go to heaven, bad girls go everywhere. And the characters in that song were Johnny and Jenny. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, why are you shaking? Hey, Jenny, Jenny, why are you crying? So that's where there's the, those names came from. So I, I had the foundation, but I just couldn't figure out how to write it. And... I was in the process of writing a fan fiction for Supernatural. And I was spending hours researching certain things. And I stopped and I thought about it. And how I thought to myself, I am spending this much time and this much effort on someone else's world, on someone else's creation, on someone else's characters, when I have my own. And something that my dad said to me came back to me and he said, why are you spending and investing so much time in someone else's world? And I thought about it. If you deliver a script, they're just going to be like, thanks, we can't read this. Well, yeah, it was was kind of like a, I wrote, I started writing, okay, I was writing a supernatural fan fiction. I won't name it because I don't want people to Google it. Um, and I was pouring hours into it. Like I was researching it in depth. Like I was, I was, I was really writing it. Like there are supernatural novels that are out there that other people have written that actually have been published and what have you. And that was kind of the goal that I was going for. I was like, I want to write an original supernatural story. And I was spending so much time on it. I was like, why am I spending so much time? On, on this fan fiction that maybe nobody's going to read when I have this other that I could be writing. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll write them both at the same time. Well, well, what happened was I started writing Left in the Dark and I was posting every scene because I, I write, there's two scenes per chapter. And so I was posting every scene on Tumblr, as if it was like a fan fiction, as if it was like a, a like a, a fan fiction story that people were, you know, reading whatever. And it went from just being me and Jake and one other person that were reading it to being I had twenty one people following the blog, and then on top of that, I had six friends who were reading along with it that I would send them the link to every chapter people wanted to read it people were interested people wanted to know the story 
which absolutely boggled my mind. Like I, when I started writing Left in the Dark, when I when I first started writing it, the the iteration that it is now, I wrote. I started writing it with the belief that no one would want to read it but me. Mm-hmm. But it needed to exist so that I could read it, and that was important to me. So when other people liked it, it just absolutely like it blew my mind that other people, it, even in its raw state, because I was posting like first drafts to the Tumblr. Like it was like a, a mildly edited first draft posted to Tumblr. And yet, and still people were, they wanted more. And that prompted me to write faster. I wrote Left in the Dark, the first draft, the first manuscript of Left in the Dark took 22 days to write. That was my... Was that on a computer? Was that a physical, like, Oh, it was definitely... It was on a computer. My handwriting is garbage. I'll say, like, hang on to that thing and uh, I get some uh, money later on down the road. No, I have notes. I have notes. I have I have timelines. I have notes. I have this happened when this happened. I have things. I have things written down in notebooks that are. May, I, right now, they're worth nothing, but maybe one day they'll be invaluable. But we got Every, one of her original I, notes for Left in the Dark. The page has got whiskey on it. It's got something on it. It's got whiskey or beer. One or the other. Or maybe just water. I've spilled a, I've spilled a lot of water. They they do exist. Like they 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 the pages do the, the timeline for Left in the Dark does in fact exist. And it has every day. Now, the events of Left in the Dark take place over the course of five days. And that's something that the characters talk about later in the books is, that was only five days? That felt like forever. <laughs> like, the characters actually talk about it. It's like, like, that was only five days? Yeah, it takes place over the course of five days. I can give some spoilers because the third book is about to come out on the 8th of this month. And that is... That book kind of closes out the first three books. There, the, there are nine books in the Anthem Saga. So Heaven Can Wait kind of closes out the first three. And then there's Under the Rose, Circle of Fear, The Path. That's a set of three. And then there's The King of Pain, Heaven's Calling, and In the End. And that's a set of three. But they're all in... They're all a part of the same saga, which then leads into the Viridian record, Rearview Mirror, which bridges the Anthem saga with the Seraph Chronicles. And then there's the Seraph Chronicles. Those are three books. They lead into the Viridian record, Back into Hell, and the Viridian record, Vaults of Heaven. And Vaults of Heaven closes out. And then we start a whole new Anthem verse series, the Rural novels. And that's what I'm actually almost done with currently. So that's book 16. 16. Book 16 of the Anthem verse novels. When I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Oh, look, here's a beer. 
Hello. All right, so you mentioned some of the main characters, like Johnny and Jenny, but uh, a couple others just kind of like give like a cliff note description, you know, of them. The most important besides Johnny and Jenny, especially in the first three books, is is the boys. There's Frank, Timothy, Ricky, Rick, and... There's also Aaron is kind of also a, a, a player there. Aaron's also a player. So we've got Timothy and Frank who are brothers. Timothy is older. Timothy's older by about five years. No. Four years than Frank. They are the children of an Irish Catholic family. Their their last name is McFairley. 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 Timothy and Frank McFairley. Their mother Donna is a nurse. She's gone a lot of the time. And their dad owns a grocery. His whole thing was that he wanted to be a professional baseball player. And he got injured playing for the Cardinals. And therefore had to start this grocery, whatever, with the money that he had left. And he's been very bitter and not very good to his kids their whole life. He's He's been very, he's a very angry man. Donna is just not home. Donna McFairley is, is like, she has her kids. She knows that they need her, but she also has her job because the grocery doesn't bring in enough money to pay for their apartment. So they never really see their mom. And when they do, it's briefly. So Timothy and Frank kind of have to come up on their own. Mm-hmm. There's Ricky Flores. Enrique Flores, they call Ricky. He is half Puerto Rican. And he takes care of his grandmother Marisol by working as a mechanic. Timothy and Frank Timothy and Ricky are the same age. Timothy and Ricky are both about 23 when the books start. Frank is about to turn 18. Most important is Billy. Billy's another one of the boys. And he is Johnny's foster son, essentially. Billy has... Both of his parents have left him. His mom abandoned him when he was four. His father was never in his life. And he was mostly partially raised by his Aunt Geraldine, who was a a strict sort of militant Catholic who would make him read stories of fire and brimstone and hell and damnation and avenging angels and lock him in a closet when he did bad things or when he was just disobedient. Billy... Billy has an arsonist tendency. He likes to set garbages on fire. That's he he likes to he likes dumpster fires. He thinks he thinks fire's pretty. Billy Billy as a child, Billy as a young child likes to set things on fire. And then he meets Frank one day by chance in their their elementary school lunchroom and Frank is a little bit older than him, but Frank, there's something that Frank sees in him. And so Frank brings him home to hang out and he hangs out at the apartments most of the time. And then Johnny moves in because Johnny is trying to find a life 
outside of what he's always known. He wants something simple. He wants something calm. He wants something normal and plain. And so he moves into the apartments in Mountainside District in Anthem and sees Billy and sees his tattered clothes. He doesn't have a backpack. He doesn't have lunch. He sees him through a window and, and, and decides that's that should be my cause. And he looks like him. Billy looks like Johnny. He's got black hair and blue eyes. He looks just like Johnny. So Johnny says, if you need help, you come to me and I will help you. And Johnny ends up being his foster father. And, and Billy calls him, in serious moments, Billy calls him dad. <laughs> because there, there are some moments where Billy feels like that's appropriate. Like there's, there is, it's in the, it's actually in the Viridian record rearview mirror where Johnny, there's a parent's day and Billy doesn't tell anybody about it except for Frank because Frank's, Frank's his closest friend and Billy doesn't tell anybody about it. He says, there's a parent's day and people like, like kids were teasing him because he's homeless. So he doesn't have parents to come to parents day so so billy cried in class and gary dave and steve made fun of him and laughed at him and he was upset about it so he told frank about it and so frank went to johnny and said hey there's this parent day thing that's happening billy is embarrassed to tell you about it he doesn't know what to do about it they made him cry in class and frank's like i'm not I'm at the high school now. I'm not at the middle school anymore. I can't look out for him. So I'm just telling you because he told me. So parents day happens and they're in the gym and Steve, Gary and Frank are like fucking with Billy. And they're like, Hey, your dad's not here. Cause you don't have a dad. Ha ha ha. And Johnny walks in, in full biker regalia with his leather jacket, his sunglasses, boots, all that walks in with like misfits patches all over him, but his here like white snake in the background. His but the sticker on his lapel says Billy's dad, and less sweet. And that just that that he's Billy's dad, and the kids the the Steve Gary and Frank or Steve Gary and Dave go, Billy doesn't have a dad, and Johnny goes read the name tag punk and they're like oh well apparently he does a very tall and scary dad and like what's he, going on here you guys yeah they, they run one of them pukes in a garbage can on the way out and then and then johnny goes hey there's a there's a new evil dead movie that just came out you want to go see it and billy's like right now he's like and johnny points to the name can tag and goes billy's dad i can check you out the boys are extremely important to like all of the boys all of the boys he has helped and transformed in some way into being who they never would have been without him but billy it's it's, billy is the most important billy is the most important one of the boys and he's we see a lot from Timothy's point of view in the first three books because it, it started from Timothy's point of view. 
But then in book four, which will come out May 23rd, 2020, we start to see Billy's perspective. And he becomes a main character of his own because he has been through so much and his life has changed so much. And he transforms from just being this kind of mild-mannered kid to being something that he never imagined that he would be. And that's about all I can say about that without being spoilery. Where's the story set? I I recall you saying it was in New Jersey. It It is set in the fictional city of Anthem City, New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. So everybody's got like there. It's a the anthem accent is is kind of in between a Manhattan and New Jersey accent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in between the two. So there, the boys all have anthem accents. Johnny sometimes slips into it. Like he talks very properly. My next question is, um, explain what you have put into this project like blood sweat tears and alcohol and oh um everything i i have written i have written this these books on vacation i was writing when i when we were at disney i we we went to disney world and when we got back to the hotel, I sat down at the, the laptop and was writing. I've written through illness. I've written through panic attacks. Sometimes the story has given me panic attacks, which has been a whole other beast to conquer. Um, I write every second that I have available to me. I have I write every second that I have that I have something in my head to write. Mm-hmm. If the story is there, if if the feed is there, it's what I, it's what's kind of silly. It's what I call it. It's the feed. If the feed is there and the feed is demanding that I write something, then I'm writing it. If I can't, I have to stop and mom. I have to stop and wipe. And sometimes, sometimes yes, I am too tired. Sometimes I am too sick. But most of the time, I will fight through it. And that's the only way, that's the only reason why I have written as much as I have, is that I listen. I don't try to shoehorn it in any direction. And there are some chapters that are very, they, they, they seem very sleepy. I, I, ended up cor- I end up correcting them in the long run. Like, I know that they are written very short and very sleepy. But I end up correcting them once I'm not ill. I will write through everything. I will write through. I will write through anything. So it's kind of. I don't, sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's not. Every day I at least try to hit at least two thousand words. You do because you love it. And you know other people love it. Yeah. Both books have got awesome reviews. <laughs> They astonishingly like I I don't even know I don't know what to say about those things like because because I have one reader who has read Left in the Dark because she she was a beta reader and I've sent her 
I've sent her the books before, and I have one. There's one person that has read all of the books eight times. Whoa! And that is that is absolutely astonishing to me. I don't know what to do with that information. She is she is a true fan, and it's mind-boggling. It is. It's Giona's read the books. Jake has read the books. And I mean, the person, this person that has read the books eight times is not something that, not someone that I am very close with. I hung out with her a few times. I know her. I'm friends with her. I I like her as a person, but she latched onto these books like a life preserver. And I just can't believe it. And then there are strangers. There are complete strangers to me who have read these books, who are devouring them who are leaving comments and saying that they love these books so much that they they enjoyed them that they they found the world interesting that they were that they could see it in their head like a a movie people that jake works with have have told him that i i describe things just enough that they can see it but it's not too much and i just I just wrote the books. It's not, I did not have any intention. I wrote what I wanted to see. I wrote what was in my mind. I wrote what they were telling me to write. And the fact that anyone besides me has enjoyed it is amazing to me. Because it was only in, it was my my sole intention when I started writing Left in the Dark was I wanted to get this story out of my head. I wanted it's been to get it since childhood. Get it out. Yeah, I, I, wa- I wanted it to be in a place that I could read it. I wanted, I wanted to it. I wanted it to be something I could read. It was never intended to become what it has become. I, if you had told me on June fifth, twenty eighteen. That I would have, that I would be writing book sixteen in this universe. I would not have, be- I would have, I would not have believed you if you told me that I was writing book one of this universe. It was never a thing. It was never going to be a thing to me, and and now it's it's transformed into something that I just. You didn't see it coming. I didn't know. I, Not like I, with Star Wars. Wars. Everyone thought it was, you know, George Lucas is the only one that believed in it, and then everyone's like, sure. "It's gonna suck," and then all of a sudden, boom! It's exactly that. It's exactly that. It's, it's that. This is gonna be one movie, and nobody's gonna like it, and it's gonna be it's it's whatever. And then it ended up being like the biggest franchise in history. I'm not saying that mine's going to be, and in fact, I. My goal, my my goal with all of it is that I I don't really want it to be. I would love there to be movies or a TV kind of series thing. I, I would love it to be more like, like a Sherlock thing that it was like in like a three episode season where it's like 90 minute episodes for every book or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would fucking love that. I would devour that. But more than anything, all I want is. I would rather it be like a Rocky Horror kind of thing. Like, I would rather it be a 
occult underground there's a certain there are people who know about it and then there's people who don't i i would love it to be that kind of a thing i would love there to be an anthem underground fault because there's so look and there's so much so many options because me and june have already been talking about like t-shirts and like rise from the ashes band shirts because rise from the ashes is a band that frank is the lead singer of and he writes songs about anthem and then there's come see historic anthem city and there, there's so many, there's so many options that you could just have like this underground cult movement kind of thing. If it ever goes beyond underground, let me give you a bit of advice. Yeah. Keep the rights to the toys yourself. Oh no, rights, rights are not. I am, I am well aware. I have learned from history. I am never selling the rights. Never. Never. You get, you get approval out of, out of, of all the toys that come out for the series. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I am no fool. I am no fool. I have I am lucky that I have witnessed the rise and fall of some franchises, so that I know what to do and what not to do. And I will never, never, never sell the rights. Never. And and it's it's a it's kind of a page that I've taken from Mark Danielewski who wrote House of Leaves. He he there have been many many companies that have come to him who have suggested that they should make a House of Leaves movie, a House of Leaves TV series. There's really no good way to make a House of Leaves movie or TV series without it being kind of disjointed. Because House of Leaves is such a disjointed book, but that's why it works in the way that it does. Now, my books aren't disjointed in any way, but I understand Danielewski's point is that he wants to make sure that whatever production happens will do justice to his books, will do justice to the story and the characters. And that's my main concern. My main concern is my characters and the and their story. I am devoted to telling their story in the best way that I can. In the most concise and legible way that I can. There's so much about them that I know that it doesn't really matter in the long run. Like, their favorite colors, their favorite songs, their favorite movies. Like, there's so much that doesn't matter that I know about them. That's not in the books. But I'm not going to put this thing that I have invested my entire life in, my blood, sweat, and tears in. I'm not going to put this in someone's hands that I don't completely trust. To do justice to the story. And I think that this, that that's where Mark Danielewski is. Is that he is not in the position. He has not yet found anyone that can do justice to House of Leaves. And I completely understand. Okay, so you say uh, book three comes out February 8th? Yes. Well, where can you get these books? You can... 
you can get the first two books are currently on any platform you want. They're on Barnes and Noble. They are on um, they're on Amazon. They're on Scribd. Any kind of platform you can imagine, they're there. The only one I don't think they're on is Books a Million. So you would have to go to Barnes and Noble. You can get the ebook from anywhere, essentially. Um, mm. Amazon is the main place that I publish these things. And then I also have a, there's a service that will publish my books to other places like Barnes and Noble. So you can go to Barnes and Noble and search my books, search my name, Amanda Johnston, or search my books, The Anthem Saga, Left in the Dark, and Original Sin, and you can get them on Barnes and Noble. This book will be available on Barnes and Noble and all other platforms as soon as it does come out. Right now, it is available for pre-sale only on Amazon. So, if you want an ebook, then you can go to Amazon right now, currently, and purchase Heaven Can Wait on Amazon by Amanda Johnston. Because I'm using my name. I there was there was a moment that I was like, well, maybe I should use. I have a a pen name that I use for a, a, a faux newspaper publication in left in the dark is AC no gray, which is no gray is a family name. And I considered writing my books under AC no gray, but decided ultimately like, no, I'm, I'm proud of this. It's, it's mine. It's, it comes from, it comes from me. So, I'm going to put my name on it. I'm not going to put a pseudonym on it. I'm, I'm not going to use a pen name. AC Nogare is a cool no, is, a, is a cool nom de pluie. But I'm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to be real. It's my stuff. It's my stuff. It's mine. So, it's the Anthem Saga by Amanda Johnston. You should be able to find it on Amazon. Barnes and Noble, Scribd, and several other websites that I can't think of right now. <laughs> so would um would say this this really takes off? Like say book three hits and that's when it was it, it just jettisons the whole thing forward. Would you be open to it being transferred to any other medium, say like a TV show or a movie? And if so, mm-hmm. like would you want to have like total say so over what happened just like nobody's gonna touch these motherfuckers but me i yes in in a way yes i i would like to i want to be the person that writes the script and i've actually i've been i've been teaching myself script writing because of because of the potential that if ever it happened i wanted to be able to do it um so I would like to be in control of the script. I know what is important to the story and what is not. So I would like that to be, I would like to have some control over that. What I would love is rather than it being one movie, two movies, what I would like is the format they used for Sherlock the BBC Sherlock where you have one episode is 90 minutes and it's one book and then the next episode you have is 90 minutes and it's one book and then the next 
is 90 minutes in one book. I would like it to be that kind of a format where you have a three a three episode season, but each episode is 90 minutes. And they all they each tackle one book leading into the next season, which is another three books, which is the Anthem Saga is written that way. It is there are three books, there is an epilogue. Then there are three books that are certain that are focused on one group. And then there's another three books. So there's it's three, three, and three. So I would I would like that. It kind of changes when you have the Viridian record rearview mirror because that book bridges that book maybe could be a movie that bridges the three, three, and three to another set of three, which is the Seraph Chronicles. That is a set of three books. And then you have the two books that finish it out, which are Back into Hell and The Vault of Heaven. So that's kind of the big finale of the story of Johnny and Ginny and the Viridians and all of that. So I think I would like it if if we started out as a Sherlock-esque kind of series. Got any actors in mind who could play the the characters? Oh, oh, absolutely. I I have I have headcast all of my main characters. Like I, I all of them have I know who all of them are. <laughs> sure hope I, De Niro's available. No. <laughs> Joe Pesci stuck in the mud. Um <laughs> 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 I I have in my mind I know exactly who is who and I I have an ideal casting I also am at the point there was a point when I was writing the books where I was like it has to be this person this person has to play this character and I've now kind of come to an open place where I'm like I would love for this person to play this character but if I can't get them, I'm open to casting decisions. Like, in my mind, in my head. It's funny, because when I started writing the books, when I, started, when I started writing them, really paying attention to them, Johnny was a guy that was tall, he had black hair, blue eyes, and he wore all black. And that was, he was kind of like a, a almost like a featureless figure. And then Jake came home one night and he said, I've started listening to this guy. His name's Andy Black. He's got these cool songs. I think you'll like him. And I was like, well, because me and Jake, me and Jake have often had differing musical opinions. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, maybe maybe I'll like him. Maybe I won't. So we were in the Target parking lot. And I was listening to the songs while Jake was inside shopping. And I was listening to Andy Black. And there was a tiny thumbnail of the cover of Shadow Side, which is the Andy Black album. And I was like, what does this guy actually look like? And I didn't look it up until I got home. When I got home, I finally I pulled it up on, on my computer. I was like, Andy, Andy Black searched Google to see what he looked like. Because his voice is so low. But... 
he looked he's so skinny so it was kind of like why are you so skinny but your voice is so low it was kind of i expected him to look more like in like an aaron lewis kind of kind of person Mm -hmm. so i i pulled up images of andy black andy beersack turns out on google and was confronted immediately with images of johnny he's six foot three he has black hair he has blue eyes he wears mostly black he wears leather jackets i was immediately presented the image of of everything that johnny was in my head and i'm looking at a picture of him right now yeah he he's johnny he is johnny and Jake, Jake was in the kitchen putting groceries away, and I, I said, Jake, come here. I pointed at the computer, said, "That's Johnny," and Jake went, "Whoa," because he 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 was, he absolutely was. So then I was like, okay, well, what does he sound like talking? What does he sound like when he's talking? Like, because I've heard him singing, he's got a low voice. That's fine. What does he sound like when he's speaking? Because does he sound like Johnny? Because in my mind, Johnny had a very low voice. So I looked up an interview to see what he sounded like. And it was an MTV, it was, it was an MTV interview with him and Ben Bruce from Asking Alexandria. Because they were in a movie together. A movie called American Satan, which is very funny. When you think about the fact, when you think about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he says is, hi, I'm Johnny Faust. And I was like, you're Johnny what? Yeah. Yeah. Because his name in the movie is Johnny Faust. And I was like, mind blown. Boggled. Yeah. Put a towel down, my mind's blown. Clean up, I'll Amanda. There is so much going on right now. All right. How has doing this impacted your life? Like, has it made you semi-rich? Has it made you, you know, I, I need a limo to go. Over. I know you don't need a limo to go everywhere. I'm just kidding. About that. <laughs> no, I do have a driver. His name is Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I get too much anxiety when I go. So. Driving Miss Johnston. I, I do. I have incredibly terrible driving and riding anxiety to the point now where if I'm not very stoned in the car, then I am not okay. Not an okay. I, I have, it, it triggers like panic. I'm a very nervous, anxious person. So I do have a driver, but um, it's writing these books it's it's changed nearly everything it's it's changed it's i am a different person i feel like jake is a different person in in good ways because i've learned a lot about myself through writing these characters through writing johnny i've discovered things about myself that i didn't even know i didn't know that i liked football as much as i do but i do like football johnny loves football so that's just like, I, I found, I found things out about myself. I found skills that I didn't know I had. When I first started writing, 
back in like 2009. I was not a good writer. I wasn't good at it. My, my, my paragraph structures were wrong. My formatting was wrong. Spelling and grammar was terrible. I was, I, I just, and I thought one of the books I thought was finished was Mad Red Rose. And I was like, I finished a book and it was like 50,000 words long. It was short. It was unexplored. It was shallow. And then I started writing. I don't know what happened. There was a switch that flipped at some point and I sat down and started writing Left in the Dark and it just came out and it was better than I ever was. And I just, I keep improving because I keep learning. And I mean, I'm on book, technically it's book 17 because I wrote Blackwood's Bend, which is a standalone horror book. So at this point, I kind of have a kind of a grasp of what I'm doing. So professionally, I've, I've grown and gotten better because of it. And then my whole world is now Anthem. Like I have downstairs, the study is green and I have the bookshelves and I have the desk and the lamp and all the things that you would see in Johnny's study. I have the portrait that I drew of him over the fireplace. I have fan art that Caden did up on the wall, little caricature drawings. I have, I have items that are mentioned in the stories. I have angel figurines. I have a figurine of Lucifer. Like things that I would never have seen myself having or wanting or needing. It's just, it's, it shapes my whole entire life now. It's, it's, it's always in my head. Jake is always talking to me about it. Like we'll be in the car and he'll just bring up a subject like, what if this situation happened? And then I'll explain or tell him, or we will, we'll be watching a show and he'll go, what is, what does Johnny think about that? And I'll tell him what Johnny would say. It's just the strangest. It's been the most strange thing, but if everything has changed, everything is different. So. Have you thought about getting into the con circuit? If the books have, if they pick up any kind of momentum, if they pick up any kind of, I mean, there's a very, there's a small fan base. There's, I mean, there's probably about, I'd say maybe 30 to 40 people who really, really like the books. I've got one friend who's read Left in the Dark at least eight times. So, I mean, there's a small fandom. I don't think that, I don't think that it would benefit me at all to try to go to a con without having more people, a a bigger, at least 100 people. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't think it would benefit me to go and be like, hey, look, here's my book. And nobody's like, nobody cares. You know? <laughs> like, hey, it's got to be on Oprah's Book of the Month Club. No, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> have to be. No, it doesn't have to you be that big. Like, you my, get a copy. Everyone gets a copy. Well, I mean, and I said from the beginning that I, when I started writing it, I was writing the story for me. I was writing Left in the Dark for me because I wanted to read the story and I needed to get it out of my head. And I didn't think that anybody else would be interested because it's, it's this gothic urban fantasy alternate universe. And based on the music of Jim Steinman. (laughs) So like, I, I never thought that anybody else would be interested. And then there were 21 people who were following the, when I was posting it, still posting the blog. So that was what kind of said to me, okay, well, maybe there are people that would be interested in this. But I mean, I will maintain that I am the first person in the fandom 
And I don't know if, if that, I mean, that's, that's my thing is, is that I, I, I just want, I just want people to love it. I don't care if it sells a million copies. I don't care if it makes the New York Times bestseller. If it does those things, fantastic. I just want people to embrace these characters. I want them to become a part of their lives. And if that's just like a, a, a following of 100, 150, I'm fine with that. I don't need for these books to blow up. I would love it if they did, but they don't have to. It's just not, it wasn't ever something that I set out for. It's not a goal. I don't want to get rich off these books. I would love it, though. I mean, we posture all the time, me and Jake do, about when they make the movie. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, I have all of my characters cast. I know who everybody is. I see them clearly in my head, and I have the actors that I would love to get. I know that that is not a realistic concept. But we enjoy talking about it. We enjoy, like, you know, the scenarios, the different situations, different scenes playing out certain ways. I am under no illusion that these books will be made into a movie. I think that would just be way too surreal alternate universe. I don't think, I don't I just, I don't have any kind of delusions of grandeur. It is what it is. It's a little, it's a little urban fantasy, goth horror kind of a thing. If it does well, it does well. If it doesn't, I'm still happy with it because I love the story. And you finally got it out there. I finally got it out. I mean, being in my head since I was 11, it was time. It was it was high time. Well, you got anything else to say about it? Uh, just anything maybe you haven't covered yet? I don't think so. I think that we've covered most of the ground. I think that I think that people probably have a sense of who I am, what the books are. Um, I do have to plug it though because. Heaven Can Wait comes out in four days. Plug, plug it all. Plug it all up. Yeah. So there's Left in the Dark is out. Original Sin is out. They're available on multiple platforms. At Barnes & Noble, Scribd, uh, Kindle, uh, paperback, all of those things. You can and get it pretty much anywhere. Your closet, your Walmart. No, no, it's not in those places. Online, you can order it. <laughs> it's different languages. Yeah. Well, and also, I'm, I'm, I need to note that Barnes & Noble only sells the ebook copy. They don't sell a physical printed copy. So if you want the physical printed copy, you need to go to Amazon. Um, they're easy to find. Just search the Anthem Saga, Amanda Johnson, and they should come up. Heaven Can Wait is on pre-order right now for um, the ebook. The paperback will go on sale on the 8th on Amazon. And it's Heaven Can Wait, the third book in the Anthem Saga. There are nine books in the Anthem Saga, so this is the third one. And the fourth one is going to come out May 23rd, the day after my birthday. Because I got so many of them, and they're all finished, and they're all ready to go. So I'm just releasing one every three months. So if you like to binge read, that's good for you, too. You're going to come out with like a really nice box set, and all of them is a specially designed box. Maybe. Maybe. I haven't, I haven't I haven't ruled it out, but it's going to have to come down the line. There's a lot that I want to do, but I need to... Profits need to be better before I can do some of the things. I, like, I want to do stickers and t-shirts and... Action I'll figures! I... Maybe. It's Johnny bad. Kung Fu Grip. 
Johnny with Kung Fu Group would be fantastic. I mean, you know what I would love? I would love a Johnny on his motorcycle. That would be fun. That would be really cool to me. Might let some just a display up on your mantle or something. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. I mean, the closest thing that I've got to anything Anthony, like action figure, is my statue of Lucifer that sits on my mantle in front of the portrait. Well, see, that's another thing is he hates that. Lucifer hates that whole like the, he he at one point he walks hell, hell Satan, my dark lord and master. Yeah, at one point he walks into a bar and this like this demon salutes him and he's like stand down. <laughs> he just hates it. he absolutely hates it. He doesn't like the attention. He doesn't like the the people that try to impress him. He doesn't he hates the kiss ass. Most of more than anything, like there's one guy, Jeremiah. He just he hates that guy. He's <laughs> just such a suck up. He's such a dick. Yeah, it's okay. Jeremiah gets it. <laughs> but anyhow, it's like that's that's the kind of stuff that I'll. This 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 is what I love. I love having the conversations about characters and what they do and what they are and what they think. It's it's fun. It's fun for me. It's a lot of fun. It's work. You got a whole world you can play with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's kind of that's kind of the thing was is that I used to play The Sims all the time, and I thought the other day I was like, you know what? I would really like to play The Sims. I wonder if I could make Johnny and Jenny on The Sims. And then I thought to myself, or or you could sit down, put your fingers to the keys, and write a story. <laughs> Do what you do. It's your career. Why are you going to play with Sims when you have these people? You could just puppeteer. And I do puppeteer them into terrible situations and then try to see if they can get themselves out. What I do. Well, you know, with, with writing it, you can decide what happens and you leave it up to the Sims. You know, Johnny could die in a kitchen fire. Mm-hmm. Which would be incredibly ironic. <laughs> Jenny got hit by a car. I don't think that can happen. Can that happen in The Sims? Can can Sims get hit by cars? I don't think it get hit, hit hit by cars, but I I know like people die in fires. Yeah, they do they, all the time. Yes, I've had characters die in fires before, or almost die in fires too. So they just get like really like sooty. I have also intentionally killed characters. I've locked them in box rooms where they can't escape because I wanted ghosts in my house. It's awesome. It's true. I wanted ghosts, so I I put them in a basement prison chamber and left them there. As a kid, I used to play this game called Sim Ant, where you were a colony of ants. (laughs) It was really weird, and... Every so often, this lawnmower would come along and just completely fucking destroy everything I had worked for. Oh, wow. And you have to start all over again. Wow. That seems that seems a bit violent to be yeah. a child's game. It is. A bit, a bit nihilistic. Sure, you I can build a house, back in the early 90s. That lawnmower is going to come. Or you. So sure, you can be happy now, but you just wait, Buster. 
wasn't Sim City that had the monster that would just pop up and start destroying your city? Yeah, there was one that I had a friend that played it, and it was nothing but throwing sheep. Throwing the sheep? Goal, yeah, the goal was to throw your sheep as far as you could throw it. And I always thought, well, that doesn't seem fair. It's not very fair to the sheep. No. It's not very nice. I mean, and that, the, what I asked him, I was like, is this the whole point of the game? He said, no, there's other stuff, like quests and stuff that you do. But he just enjoyed flinging the sheep the most. <laughs> so, needless to say, I left him to it. Just left him to fling his sheep all by himself. Well, I am guilty of doing that too like just staying in a part of a game that I know is going to repeat and just do it all over and over and over like this yeah. old uh, World War II game there was this mission where it, the troops wouldn't stop coming at you until you destroyed these three tanks well I to destroy two tanks and then I just sit there and mow down a whole platoon of Germans wait five seconds and they all pop back up again and just mow them all down again <laughs> Shooting with bazookas from, like, point-blank range. Yeah. But they're Nazis, then that can be satisfying. Total overkill. <laughs> it's a little too much I, kill. I count down to when they were going to appear, and when I got to, like, two, I would throw a grenade out there, so when they appeared, it would explode, and they'd all die at once. Immediately explode after respawning. <laughs> Boom! Damn it! <laughs> Not this again. You gotta wonder what, 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 what those soldiers thought. You gotta wonder what they thought when they respawned and immediately exploded. Like, I did not come to work today for this. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Imagine, like, it's a Wreck-It Ralph kind of situation. Like, they get off work and they're like, oh, that guy with his grenade. <laughs> I died 47 times today. Go home to eat supper and they just stare blankly into space. Uh, honey, how was your day? I don't want to talk about it. I've seen things, Barbara. Seen things. You don't want to know. Well, Amanda, thank you for sitting down and talking with me about your book series. And again, and the newest one comes out in four days? In four days, February the 8th. You hear that, people? Go out and get it right now. Or pre-order it right now. We can't get it right now. It. Right now it's five ninety-nine. I think. I don't even know how much my book is. That's five ninety-nine. I know. Five ninety-nine. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the very first Bobcast podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it, and we will see you later. Say goodbye, Amanda. Goodbye, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Ha, ha, ha.